Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We are go for two and 22, and we are glad to have you with us for another look at what's getting closer and closer with each passing day. Georgia and Ohio State in the college football playoff in the Peach Bowl right here in Atlanta and a chance for Georgia to stay on its mission to win a second national championship and doing against one of the biggest teams you can play in college football. One of those teams we have not seen Georgia on the field with in quite some time. It's been since the end of the 1992 season, so it gets really fun to start thinking about Georgia and Ohio State. We are doing our part to think about it. Yesterday we, yesterday we talked a bit about, hey, after the SEC championship game, when you look at the Georgia defense, you maybe see some areas which Georgia needs to improve to be ready for what's going to happen against the Buckeyes, that may stand right now as the biggest concern. What actually did happen with Georgia giving up 30 points to LSU? We talked about that yesterday. If you missed yesterday's show, you should go back and see it. How about, though, an area in which Georgia, by appearances, would seem to have an edge? This is one of those things I don't know that people fully appreciate if you don't live in kind of the world of college football beyond just dog nations for some people all they really care about is georgia football i understand that you don't really think about the other teams unless they're playing georgia but for others they kind of spend time with the narrative that exists around other programs and right now the narrative that exists around ohio state is can they match the toughness of their opponent in a big game that was an issue for them last year against michigan it was an issue for them a couple of weeks ago against michigan and when you think about why it is that georgia has won the games that it has won Toughness has been a huge part of that, just being physically able to move the opponent and physically able to strain against whoever you're playing and and, and be ready for the the fight. I mean, that's basically the football is a violent collision sport and being willing to do that, being able to do that over and over again, play after play. Uh, that is something that's been the hallmark of Georgia under Kirby Smart. And it's the kind of thing that George was also celebrating about itself after the SEC championship on Saturday. In fact, Kirby Smart talked about that going back to the weekend. Here is uh, Kirby on the toughness that Georgia brings to the table with each and every Saturday. The physicality at our place is, comes out every every day in practice. And the thing I'll never uh, shy away from or tell people is that physical wins in our league. You see, our league's different. Our league's tough. Our league's hard. Week in and week out, it's extremely physical. There was more depth in our league this year than I ever remember. I mean, top to bottom. You look at what Vanderbilt's able to do, what South Carolina's able to do, what Mississippi State's able to do. Everybody is really physical. So you've got to set yourself apart and you've got to have a culture and you've got to build your culture around guys who think toughness matters. Because if toughness doesn't matter, you got no chance in this league. You win on the road with toughness, and I thought we won tonight with some toughness. That is a clear, unmistakable statement from Kirby Smart about what makes his team his team. And as we've said before, that is not always the easiest sell on the recruiting trail. It'd be far easier to get talented players to come to UGA if you somehow maybe convince them, hey, come here, it'll be a little bit easier. Come here, we won't ask of you what other programs might ask of you. But instead, Kirby Smart demands that his assistants actually ask for more from the recruits that come here, the players that come here, than maybe other programs might ask from them. And as it's been told to us, Georgia lays it out in very clear terms before a player enters UGA that if you come here, there is a standard of toughness that you're going to be asked to uphold. There is a standard of toughness you're going to be asked to match on a daily basis. And it's not going to be easy. And at times it may seem really, really hard. But if you can endure it 
on the other side of all of that, you will be better for. And Kirby Smart talked about that after the SEC championship on Saturday, but he has also talked about that in other big games that Georgia has had this year. In fact, let's go back to the probably signature win for Georgia during the regular season, what happened against Tennessee. Tennessee, another one of these teams. It's a little finesse, in love with scoring, not very good defensively. These are typically the kinds of teams that Georgia feasts on, and the same kind of toughness that Kirby was bragging about, justifiably so, after the SEC championship. He was also saying a good bit of that after Georgia beat Tennessee a few weeks ago, too. Here's a reminder from back at the beginning of November. Yeah, we hit mentally tough and physically tough. We hit a lot. So they, 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 get, that, they get that speech before they come because I don't want to lie to them. So I tell them we're going to be in pads Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And uh, we're going to be physical, and we're going to practice physical. We're going to be physical in the spring. We're going to be comfortable being physical. So that's agreed upon when they come. That is what Georgia is. And there are some who would say that is what Ohio State isn't. Now, listen, it's not necessarily my place to say if that's true or not. It's simply my place to tell you what others have said about them. In fact, let's go back to Josh Gaddis. Gaddis was the offensive coordinator at Michigan a year ago. He actually left for the 2022 season, but he was there in 2021. And Gaddis, in evaluating the situation with Ohio State going back to last year, gave a pretty unflattering appraisal. Now, if what Gaddis says is true, and Gaddis was obviously the Broyles Award-winning offensive coordinator last season, and if what other folks who've watched the Buckeyes very closely, in fact, even some of their own fans and media that covers that team, the toughness of Ohio State has been questioned. If that is true, and if what Kirby Smart said about his own team is true, then this is the place where Georgia has the edge against the Buckeyes. In fact, let me show you this quote on the screen. It was readily found uh, last year. When it comes to uh, Gaddis on Ohio State, he says, hey, they're a finesse team. They're not a tough team. And we knew that going into the game. We can out-physical them. We can out-tough them. It was going to be the key to the game, and that's what prepared. That's what we prepared for all year long. You saw earlier this year in the game they lost to Oregon. Oregon was the most physical team on the field that day, he means. That's the way they lost, and we committed to that recipe, and it paid off. That's what Josh Gaddis, the then Michigan offensive coordinator, said last season. And the same kind of stuff appeared to be true about Michigan against Ohio State this season as well. We've said this now for going on. I don't know uh, about a year or so. Is that everybody wants to be? Everybody wants football to be something that it's not. Everybody wants to, f- to see football evolve, or it seems like a large number of people seem to want to see football evolve into something kind of new. Where oh, it used to be about physical toughness and and, and and who's the strongest. Well, now it's about who's the smartest. Now about who is who's the most clever. And Michigan thirteen and zero, Georgia thirteen and zero. Some of these teams that are dominating college ball right now are showing you that things are either reverting back to a certain degree of kind of old school mentality or maybe that was always true and it just sort of appeared like it wasn't for a brief period of time but either way Michigan would say we have used toughness to get the best of Ohio State now two years in a row and if Georgia's going to get the best of Ohio State coming up on December 31st it seems like that same thing has got to matter there that Georgia when it has one big games has simply been the toughest team on the field and that level of toughness is what it demands from its team And there is an avenue out there that would suggest that Georgia can do that again against Ohio State, too. Now, the flip side of this is, and if you want to be, I guess, the most generous in your assessment of the Buckeyes, you got to assume when they are having their toughness as openly questioned as much as it has been after losing to Michigan again, then surely the competitive part of them wants to respond 
in a pretty big way to show they are different than what they appeared to be, kind of getting slammed around in their own stadium after being slammed around in Ann Arbor last year. So you'd assume they're going to have some response to this. But once again, even if they come ready for a fight, this is still supposed to be the biggest edge that Georgia has in this game. And it should be the biggest opportunity for exploitation there as well. Georgia in big spots has proven itself to be the toughest team before. And against the Buckeyes, they will likely need to do that again. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Breda Pest Management. And happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Uh, normally, it's live, uh, first and 15, 945. Obviously, the show starts at 10. We're pre-recorded this week. I'm having some fun, lucky enough to be a part of a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, but either way, we're just happy to have you a part of our uh, program and looking forward to being back in our normal format again next week, but also trying to deliver you really good shows while we are away. And of course, our great sponsors make all of this possible, including our friends at Breda Pest Management. I had a chance to see uh, Matt Breda from Breda Pest Management last Saturday at the SEC Championship. He was certainly enjoying himself, having a good time, and so many of you were there as well. And I know you love doing business with our sponsors because so many of them are also supporters of UGA too, like our friends at Breda Pest Management, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And what that means is, is when you go to one of those athletic venues at Georgia, Stegman Coliseum or certainly Sanford Stadium, you are looking at a building that's protected by termite from termites or bugs, critters, whatever else from our friends at Breda Pest Management. And when you look down on that field at Sanford Stadium, you see this, the, the field space, the, the green grass area, room for more than a million termites. You'll have to say, well, gosh, there's that many termites in a space like that. What does that mean for my home? How many of those termites have a chance to get inside my house or into my wood and cause potentially thousands of dollars worth of damage? That's why Breda Pest Management is an important name for you to know because they can protect you from all of that. And not only can they protect you from those termites, the bugs, the critters, whatever else, they can also protect you from rising prices because whatever pest control company you probably have been working with is maybe sending that letter in the mail each and every year of cost is going up. They just simply don't have the resources to provide you the same level of service, so therefore you got to charge you more money for that. That's not the case at Breda Pest Management. Look, they've been in business since the 1970s. They've got more than 100 employees. Uh, this is the kind of company that can lean on its strength, on its resources, to actually benefit you by offering you a great service at a lower price. So reach out to them today, BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, for a lot more on that. All right, we're going to get a lot more on the Georgia Bulldogs here coming up in a moment. When we talk to Mike Griffith, but before that, though, let's get ready to go around the doghouse. And I want to examine here for a moment what was maybe the most curious moment of the game against LSU on Saturday, the two-point conversion that Georgia pulled off to score 50 points. You got a Donnie Mitchell, uh, the wide receiver, throwing it to a Darnell Washington. That spot it was kind of an exciting play that you oftentimes don't always see from Georgia, especially in kind of a spot like that. There was a little bit of an oddity to it. It was fun for everybody to see, but there was – at least some curiosity of exactly why is it Georgia's doing this here right now. So in the postgame press conference on Saturday, uh, first of all, to hear from Kirby Smart, he kind of explained from his standpoint why it was that Georgia did what it did, run the trick play, you go for two, you put 50 on the board. What was that about? Kirby uh, talked about that after the game. Here's what he said. We went with it because it was by the book. By the book, we felt like that differential made it right. I think it was 25 to go to 27. Is that right? But the, it was just by the book. So the book said, you know, if they were able to score, the, the analytics were go for two. And I told Mark, and I was like, we might should have saved that play because it's one we've worked on for a long time. But 
in football, you don't save plays. You, you run them when you need them, and we didn't know what was going to happen the next three to four series, so we uh, we executed it. Of course, I would not put it past us to pull out that one little snippet of what Smart says there when he says the analytics are to go for two. We may pull that out as the analytics are to go for two and 22. That's what they say. So uh, that's kind of fun from Kirby. And listen, this is not a huge deal to me either way. Uh, you know, these guys can do what they want to do. And frankly, I hope they try to score as many points as they can. But there's an element of, wait, are we sure we're worried about analytics going from a 25-point lead to a 27-point lead that late, late in the game? Are we sure about that? There was, for me, a little bit of an echo of some of the stuff that he said a couple of years ago about uh, uh, the game against Auburn in 2018. I think it was, what, it was the fake field goal. They're trying to get you know Rodrigo a touchdown or something like that. I, I forget the overall details. But it sort of feels like if you go back and look at that Auburn game in 2018, <laughs> you're kind of left to wonder, wait, do we really is that the really the accurate explanation for all this i'm not that worried about it it sort of feels like there might be something else at play here but ultimately the reason why most georgia fans don't get that kind of wrapped up in it one way or another is is because it's in keeping with one of the stats and bennett clips i played for you earlier in the week this was an example of georgia just having a good time and after a long grinding season getting its 13th win there on saturday night to go out there and uh have a little bit of fun I don't have a problem with that. In fact, Stetson Bennett kind of talked about that himself, about the fact that uh, <laughs> the whole thing for UGA just sort of seemed to be uh, a little bit of a fun way to put a capper on that game on Saturday. In fact, it kind of led to an interesting exchange between both Bennett and Kirby in that post-game press conference. Here's a little bit more from the quarterback with an interjection from Kirby on the issue of that two-point play that led to Georgia scoring 50. I liked it. Um, it was fun to uh... – to just see it, I, I, I talked to AD in the in the huddle because he hadn't played that much, and I was like, "All right, it's you, brother." And uh, so I sprinted left, tossed it to him, and he actually threw a spiral. I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's thrown one of those in, in practice. Yeah. I, I don't think he's read that play. No. For, Somebody else read it. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, um, but you know, his his we me and AD have something that you'll never have. What? We're both career passing record at UGA is one, one for, for one. one. <laughs> and you're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm passing percent. Two point conversions, drop the snap, do a pass, <laughs> one for one. So you and Bobo are behind me, me and AD. Okay. You can tell Kirby wants to change the subject there because a hundred times out of a hundred, when somebody asks him something about his career, he acts like he can't remember anything. In this one particular moment, when Stetson's going into what they practiced and the fact that Mitchell wasn't out there and whatever, whatever. All of a sudden, now Kirby's going back to his career and kind of giving you the pull quote about, oh, in my career I was one for one, now A.D. Mitchell is too. So you can tell Kirby's trying to change the subject on that. But ultimately, who really cares? Uh, it's Georgia having fun. They got to 50 points. Uh, Mitchell threw the pass. Stetson's having a good time with that. Kirby's creating some laughs during the postgame press conference. And when you're at 13-0, when you're winning the SEC and you're scoring 50 points, uh, that's what life is like. It's good to be at the top in a situation like that. And a fun look at a capper for Georgia. Big night offensively against LSU will make that around the doghouse. Of course, many of you traveled into Atlanta for the game uh, this past weekend, and many of you planning to do the same thing. In fact, maybe even more of you traveling in from farther away for this upcoming Peach Bowl at the end of the month. And that's where our friends at Discover Dunwoody can come in here. They have got such a big 
opportunity for you because let's face it when you think about a game that takes place in new year's eve in atlanta uh hotels almost impossible to come by downtown atlanta or maybe for whatever reason the downtown atlanta hotel just doesn't really meet your needs for for whatever reason well that's where our friends have discovered dunwoody come in on all of this because here in the dunwoody area and by the way that's right here where the dog nation studios are uh, located our world headquarters studios you've got all kinds of hotel rooms in fact you're talking about over 2100 rooms in nine different hotels you've got hundreds of restaurant opportunities here there too for everything like the high-end steakhouse the fine dining to the quick service restaurants there as well plus you've got great shopping as well beautiful mall all kinds of fun shopping opportunities here too so if you want to make this a great experience for you kind of as a continuation of your holiday season, uh, right here in Dunwoody uh, is a great place to stay on your way to the Peach Bowl coming up at the end of the month. Plus, you have convenient access to two different MARTA stations, which will take you right to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So it's a great way to be a part of all of this. I want to make sure I give you the uh, website because the other day, did not exactly say this correct. Let's, let, let me make sure I say it correct right now. It's discoverdunwoody.com slash dognation discoverdunwoody.com slash dognation. And when you go there to that website, discoverdunwoody.com slash dognation, you can find out about all the reasons why a stay here in the Dunwoody area prior to the Peach Bowl might be the right thing for you. And you can also get ready to book your room and enjoy some great restaurants and some great shopping experience before the big game coming up at the end of the month. So one more time on that, discoverdunwoody.com slash dognation. Make sure you check that out today. Now, we will get ready to check out Mike Griffith. We're going to do a Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with him, looking ahead of the Buckeyes and everything else with the dogs during a busy month. Let's do that right now here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a dognation.com insider. All right, it's time now for our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with our buddy Mike Griffith, who's kind enough to spend some time with me on a Sunday here. So the scenario is we are talking really only a matter of minutes after it was announced that Georgia would be facing Ohio State in the college football playoff semifinal in the Peach Bowl coming up on December 31st. This is pretty fresh and pretty new, and as I've been saying all week, Whatever news kind of breaks during the week, I'm going to be back Friday to kind of recap some of that and kind of a special version of our show. And, of course, Mike's got you covered throughout the week at dognation.com there, too. So we're going to kind of keep our conversation right now framed around what's going to happen on December 31st, what did happen in the SEC championship, and all the other stuff. There'll be plenty of time to talk about that as we get a chance to do that. So that's the rules of our conversation here. With that, we'll bring in Mike right now. And, Mike, this is fresh and new to us. Our audience hearing this had a couple days to digest it. Your early thoughts on Georgia-Ohio State, the uh, game that was announced on Sunday afternoon. It's a fantastic matchup. You know, I think it's going to be a challenge. I think this is probably the toughest draw that Georgia could have gotten outside of had Alabama gotten in uh, with a healthy Bryce Young. And maybe even tougher. You know, because Georgia has that familiarity with Alabama. I mean, this is, to me, this was the toughest matchup Georgia could have gotten. You know, Kirby brought it up right away. Ohio State didn't have to play a game. They, they got one extra week off of rest. And meanwhile, Georgia, and, and we'll hopefully soon learn the status of Warren McClendon and Ladd McConkey. at the very least, those guys got dinged up a little bit. I don't know what their status is going to be or how much practice time they're going to miss. Hopefully Kirby Smart will address that with us soon, but... You know, Georgia took on some attrition in that game. It was almost like it was their disadvantage, and and, and Ohio State got a bye. kind of reminds me of 2017 uh, when Alabama had a bye, didn't have to play in the SEC championship game. And, uh, you know, great stat, you know, two of the last three teams that 
you know, lost a game, lost their game before they went into the playoff, won, won the national championship. And I think that's pretty interesting. And here comes Ohio State coming off a season-ending loss uh, against Michigan. Fair is a loaded word. Life isn't fair, and we're all adults here. You know, fairness probably should not really be a goal in most situations. But I am curious about the fairness of all of this. And, Mike, the way I've been saying this as of late is, to me it sort of seems like the two 13-0 unbeaten teams were kind of both tossed a concession by this committee. Georgia was given the concession of where it gets to play its game. And Michigan, it seems like, may have gotten the concession about who it gets to play. And listen, if I wasn't doing Dog Nation daily, if I was doing like Maze and Blue daily, there is a part of me, as a, if I were a Michigan fan, I would be saying, gosh, I'm not quite so sure it's a just reward if I, if I go on the road and beat Ohio State that I then have to turn around and play them again, essentially, you know, uh, right away again in, in a neutral side from that standpoint. I can kind of understand, I guess, why if you're a Michigan fan, you wouldn't necessarily want that. Whereas, you know, if you're Georgia, I think TCU's the weakest of the teams in this field. It's a little bit difficult to make that comparison, but I believe that's probably the case. And so if you're a Georgia fan and you want the absolute easiest path to the playoff, or should say through the playoff to a national championship, that might have included TCU in a uh, in a national semifinal type game. So understanding all of that from all sides, Georgia as the number one seed, do you believe they were treated fairly by this committee? Well, I don't know about fairly, but it's just the way it worked out. You know, they're the number one seed, so they get to play in Mercedes-Benz. It just so happens that this year the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is the rotation. I think that's more luck. It's not like they created the the, the stadium venue after they said, oh, Georgia's number one, where do you want to play it? It just worked out that way, that Mercedes-Benz Stadium was in the semifinal rotation. And I'll say this, thank goodness we've only got one more year of this where uh, you know, a conference champion could potentially be at a disadvantage uh, against a team that didn't have to play in a championship game because moving forward, Brandon, in 2024, to be one of the top four seeds and get a bye, you have to be a conference champion. Ohio State could not be a top four team in 2024. That's one of the things I like about the 12-team playoff. But this is now, This is, and, and that's going to be then, and, and Kirby Smart said it best. I mean, Georgia's going to have to buckle their chin straps and play well. This is not, you know, the thing about Ohio State, and I think most, I think most dog nation people know this. We've got a fantastic audience. This is not your stereotypical slow, lead-footed Big Ten program. Ohio State is built to compete with SEC teams. There's, there's a lot of speed. They're tremendous at the skill positions. You can make the argument that they're better at quarterback as well as wide receiver. Uh, I don't think they're as good defensively. But they may not have to be if this turns into a track meet. Um, you know, you looked at what happened to Georgia against LSU, and LSU put 30 on Georgia. I, I think it's fair to say Ohio State has a better offense than LSU does. I do believe that. So it's an intriguing matchup. I think it's a tough matchup. Uh, I don't think Kirby Smart would want it any other way. Georgia's ready to go through the front door and beating the Buckeyes in the semifinal on December 31st is uh, certainly not leaving um, you know any doubters out there. They've also been openly called soft, and maybe that's fair, maybe it's not. I don't think anybody questions the explosiveness of Ohio State. They've clearly shown that, although I would say for the full season, they're less explosive this year than they maybe were a year ago. But, you know, we played some – or we talked about what Josh Gaddis, the former Michigan offensive coordinator, said last year about the fact that they really recognized Ohio State's inability to be tough at the line of scrimmage as an opportunity to win the 2021 game. And really the 2022 game for Michigan was kind of a replica of that. Back last year, going back to 2021 – 
You could have said, well, that game was at Michigan. The weather was bad that day. Well, in this particular season, Michigan goes on the road to Ohio State. The weather actually turned out to be pretty good that day. And Michigan, once again, just kind of shoved them around all day long. Um, I think the real question in this game is, can can Ohio State, Mike, match the toughness that Georgia brings to the table? Because against their hated rival Michigan the last two years, Ohio State's been left lacking in that category. Yeah, it is. It's going to be interesting to see if Georgia can exploit the Ohio State defense, if they're explosive enough offensively. You know, one of the keys for Michigan was they had a lot of explosive plays, and Kirby Smart talked about that. One of the good things about this year's Georgia team is they've had a lot of explosive plays, and they're going to need to match it because I think Ohio State is going to be able to score points on Georgia. I think LSU showed us that you can score points on Georgia in that building, in a climate-controlled facility. I didn't think LSU's offense was was all that, Brandon. I'll be honest with you. Those 30 points, they they surprised me in the second half. Now, you might say some of that was the way Georgia was playing defense, and and the fact is, and and Tim Tebow told us this, you were right there uh, in Atlanta with me last week, Mm -hmm. when you play a mobile quarterback, you're going to be more apt to play zone than you are man. Because when you play man, you turn your back to the quarterback, and when he tucks it and runs, he can go 65 yards, as we saw Setson Bennett do this year, right? So if they're going to play a similar defense as they played against Florida and as they played against LSU because of C.J. Stroud's mobility and talents, then you're, they're going to have to improve that zone defense real fast. So it, it depends on what type of game this turns into. But right now, knee-jerk reaction, I'm not inclined to believe this is going to be some slugfest. I'm inclined to believe that Kirby Smart's going to know that he needs to score points, and he's going to come out gunning with Stetson Bennett. But isn't the recipe for every single one of these games, Mike, the same way that Georgia seems to always win them, like in that sort of like, you know, find a way to get into the 30s, find a way to te- you know keep your opponent below that. That's sort of what it was against Tennessee back in November. Not exactly the same kind of score, but that's sort of what it was. That's sort of what it was against Alabama in the national championship that we sort of always wait for this shootout to come for Georgia, but it sort of never really comes because – when Georgia really needs to, they play just a different kind of game than that. The SEC championship to me was sort of this sort of outlier thing, and we'll get more into that game in a moment, uh, from a stylistic standpoint, just sort of an outlier compared to what anything else that Georgia does, because frankly, I don't think LSU could beat Georgia no matter what, certainly once uh, Jane Daniels left that game, but against the kind of opponent, and I agree with you on this, Ohio State's an opponent you have to respect. Whether you think Georgia wins the game or not, Ohio State is the kind of opponent that's worthy of your respect. And when you're facing that kind of opponent, that's where it becomes sort of the classic Georgia thing of they got to get in the 30s, but they got to keep the opponent below that. And that's been the recipe for Georgia in these kinds of games. Any reason to believe that wouldn't be the recipe again? Yeah, the the reason is that Ohio State has more offensive talent than Georgia's seen all year, um, more than Tennessee. And Tennessee's offense was was much more simple and, and and while I do think that Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a bit of a home-field advantage, I don't think it's going to equal Sanford Stadium. And I think Ohio State will be much better equipped to handle the noise there than Tennessee was against Georgia. And I, to be clear, I think Georgia would beat Tennessee on a neutral field. But that Sanford Stadium crowd made a difference. You were sitting right next to me, and it was deafening. I, I couldn't I, I couldn't hear you talk, sure. and you couldn't hear me. You probably appreciated that. <laughs> but it, it was it was so loud, there was six false start penalties, and there were, what, six sacks? I don't think you're going to get to C.J. Stroud six times. I think Ohio State is a more talented team. I think their mind is in a good place. 
in terms of having had a week off and have a new life. Um, this this is this game is gonna this is gonna be a four quarter game, Brandon. Um, Ohio State has a ton of talent and a lot of guys that have an opportunity to showcase and redeem themselves. That opportunity for redemption. Think back to last year when we watched Alabama humble Georgia forty one to twenty four in the SEC championship game, and how the dogs responded and how they redeemed themselves when they played Alabama again. Those were similar teams. This this game is concerning. So I, I know what you're saying as far as you know this Georgia team has been able to exert their will. But I go back to 2017, and I still think that was the best team in the nation that season. By the way, but they ran into a team with Baker Mayfield, who I would put C.J. Stroud on his level in terms of talent, and that turned into a shootout in the Rose Bowl, and that was one of the better defensive Georgia teams that I'd seen. Very quick before we move on and look at LSU for a final question to wrap this up. Do you really think this Ohio State offense this season has been more explosive than Tennessee? Because that's not necessarily my opinion. I mean, I look at some individual games here. Ohio State had one play in excess of 20 yards against Notre Dame to begin the season. They had the uh, debacle against Northwestern, which you can say was weather uh, situation. I'll, I'll kind of buy that. But there have been moments this year when Ohio State, the you know supposed explosive offense, has not shown up at the same level that certainly it did a year ago and maybe as perception would assume you you know to, to believe here this year this has not been a perfect Ohio State year offensively I would say off uh, this season and uh, for my money I think on a per game basis Tennessee's just been better well I think Tennessee plays an up-tempo style that's a bit of a gadget uh, and I don't think there's many teams that were able to match their up-tempo style but Georgia was um, so they had Jalen Hyatt they had one guy that was extremely dangerous Marvin Harrison Jr. is also one of the three finalists for the Bolitnikoff I think Ohio State has better running backs. We'll see that. I think that Ohio State has a better line. If you look at it statistically, Ohio State is number two in the nation, scoring offense right behind Tennessee. And Ohio State was number six in total offense uh, right, right ahead of Georgia, just averaging just slightly less than one yard more. So they don't run the ball as well. They're only at 198 yards per game, yeah. um, whereas we see uh, you know Michigan at 243. But from a pass efficiency standpoint, they're number two in the country, um, much more efficient than Georgia. That's number sixteen. So, and, and I like their schedule. I really do. They played Notre Dame on a conference. I I give Ohio State some credit for that, as well as playing Penn State on the road. And and I don't know how good Penn State was. I mean, they're ranked in the top ten by the committee. I think they're pretty good. I think they're pro- I think Penn State, you know, is is probably on par with Tennessee in terms of talent. I don't know if they'd have beaten them because of Tennessee's offensive style, but. Um, I, I do think Ohio State's legit, Brandon. I, I think this is definitely the toughest draw that Georgia could have gotten, maybe outside of a, a playing Alabama. It's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith here today on Dog Nation Daily. We know when Georgia takes on Ohio State coming up in a few weeks, it is not going to be just a football game, and you understand that. And here's the other thing you understand there as well, whether it becomes your home insurance or your auto insurance you want more than just an insurance company as well. And that's what we believe that Georgia Farm Bureau is because their agents, their claims adjusters, the folks that are working on your behalf with Georgia Farm Bureau, they're living and they're working. They're doing life in communities just like yours across the great state of Georgia. That's why we say that Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. So for your auto insurance needs, for your home insurance needs, for your needs when it comes to all kinds of insurance products, trust an agency that understands that you've got a lot of stake in the outcome for if something happens to your car or something happens 
comes to your home, you want a great insurance company. That's what Georgia Farm Bureau is all about. So you can uh, uh, find out more about Georgia Farm Bureau. Always the home team. Check them out online at gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. And you can find out more with them about all of that. All right, Mike, uh, let's talk about the uh, uh, LSU game here. Just quick look back on that with the SEC championship. Um, a big step for this Georgia team that had not won an SEC title since 2017. Uh, you certainly got the uh, sense this was a team that was having a good time with that on Saturday night. And I think a lot of Georgia fans were also kind of entertained, certainly by the uh, first half offensive performance, putting up 35 points there, uh, making a big performance uh, for Stetson Bennett, getting the tight ends involved. Uh, there was certainly a lot to take away from that SEC championship. Well, there was. I thought Stetson played well, uh, you know, other than the one uh, fumbled handoff exchange. And, and I don't know how much of that was just him and Kendall Milton not really having a ton of reps. Is, you know, Kendall's just now getting his engine revved up. I think that was another big factor to see him emerge. I think he's a, a big weapon uh, in the backfield now. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, we, again, the need to see what happens to Ladd McConkie, but my goodness, he was off to a good start with five catches in the first half. And uh, to your point, Brock Bowers was engaged once again. Uh, for all the Georgia fans, they got to check that box and see big Darnell Washington catch that touchdown pass in the red zone. That was something the dog fans wanted to see. They're getting their night game, Georgia, uh, albeit it's in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Brandon, but at least it's in the state of Georgia. The dogs are getting the night game Finally. everybody wanted. Finally. There, was, there was kind of something for everybody. Chris Smith was spectacular. I think you could have made a case for him as an MVP, if not stat. Both of those guys were very deserving. I would have liked to have seen an offensive and defensive MVP, but you know, you look at Chris Smith with that 96-yard uh, really heads-up play on the blocked field goal, then he deflects a pass that ends up being intercepted the very next play. That leads to a touchdown, and then Chris gets an interception himself late in the game to help turn away a, an LSU rally. He was spectacular, so kind of felt like there was something for everybody in that game. That's kind of my takeaway. I It seemed like it took forever. I don't know if the fans got bored with it, but I think I was ready for it to be over with midway through the third quarter. I said, okay, this thing's decided. Can we just get this thing over with? Uh, and there was a lot of window dressing. My goodness, we saw Georgia go for a two-point conversion to hit 50 points. I'm still trying to figure that one out. I can't wait to interview Todd Munkin uh, at uh, the bowl site here in a few weeks and find out why he was so excited. And how, Did him and Brian Kelly, there's some bad blood there or something? Or did he just want to get 50 points? Or was he just happy that Kirby let him call a pass in the second half i'm just kidding but he seemed awful excited about that two-point conversion uh, yeah certainly and a lot of uh george fans i guess were excited about it there as well hey mike good stuff thanks for being with us as part of our georgia farm bureau insider update we'll look forward to uh, obviously reading a lot from you this week at dognation.com while i'm away you'll be uh, taking care of business back here at home and then we'll get a chance to speak again in a live uh, format as we roll towards the uh, peach bowl coming up on december 31st mike happy holidays to you and we'll look forward to talking to you soon all right look forward to it brandon Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Always nice to have Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, presented by Brady Pass Manager. Always a uh, fun conversation there, and happy to have you with us too, and happy to transition now to cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And, of course, I am on board Wonder of the Seas, even as I speak to you right now. Largest cruise ship in the world, special sailing as it repositions itself at Port Canaveral. This is a fun getaway for me. Kind of a, a little bit of a weird time to take it, obviously, because we're in the midst of go for two and 22 season. But nonetheless, this is my chance to kind of get energized and ready to go for that go for two and 22 campaign that's on its way with the Peach Bowl and then the national championship, we believe anyway. 
So uh, fun stuff. And last year, it was on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship that we had a great national championship celebration. We are really looking forward to do that again. Uh, we think anyway, coming up this April on board Independence of the Sea. So let's find out more information about that. Go to royaldogs.com. That's the website, royaldogs.com, and find out about the second ever cruise with Dog Nation that comes up this April, leaving April 24th on Independence of the Seas, out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau on the Bahamas. Perfect day, Coco Cay, that wonderful private island. And we want you to be a part of it. In fact, you can give Jessica Slater a call, great travel agent, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And she will tell you all about it. All right, let's do this. Let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And we've looked this week at the college football playoff, the New Year's Six games. I want to kind of start getting a little bit more into some of the other stuff as it relates to this bowl season involving the SEC. We'll show you some of these today. We'll come back and do some more of these here again tomorrow. So cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. How about some bowl destinations for a few of these teams? So you've got LSU and Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. And this becomes a classic example of, hey, motivation determines so much during bowl season. And I think for both these teams, you're kind of left to wonder. It's, it's a matchup of the conference championship game losers. And yet, if you're an LSU player here on this, with Brian Kelly trying to move from year one to year two, I think you are maybe trying to figure out where you fit into all this. And in some cases, LSU's probably got players who are looking to go somewhere else. Every school seemingly does. But in other cases, you've got players who are looking to move up and maybe be positioned for more success in LSU in the future. So, hey, maybe this is an example where this LSU team does kind of want to be here. But you're also left to wonder, what if Jaden Daniels, who's really kind of been the focal point of that offense this year, we obviously saw him come out of the SEC championship game uh, this past Saturday. And when Garrett Nussmeyer came in, he threw it pretty well. But that's not really been what they've been this season. You know, how much is is Daniels likely to play? I mean, how much are any of these guys likely to play, I guess? But in the case of Daniels, how much is he likely to play? And, you know, exactly what does LSU look like but this could be an example as a first-year coach moving in the second year the players currently on this roster that want to stay they may be actually somewhat motivated to try to impress Kelly here during these bowl practices moving into next season as a as in the hopes of working their way up the the roster a bit you've got Arkansas and Kansas in the Liberty Bowl this is a very close game for Arkansas about as close a bowl game as they can play you're still traveling about four or five hours across the state but uh you know Memphis right there you know on the kind of the southeast part of the state of Arkansas so for Sam Pittman it's a chance to you know continue what has been a good start to his Arkansas career there's also a little bit of chatter here too about the future of Kendall Bryles as offensive coordinator there's been some talk of you know Bryles potentially being on the move uh maybe even making the move over to South Carolina uh there's been you know obviously a that that position becoming available here so I think what happens with the Arkansas coordinators over the course of the offseason is going to be pretty interesting. And so some of that will be kind of bubbling up around this bowl. I've told you before that I really have liked the coordinators in the past, Browse running the offense, Barry Odom running the defense. I became less impressed with Barry Odom, to be frank, as this season wore on. I just don't think that the style of play where you're dropping a bunch of guys back into coverage, especially when you don't have great secondary players, and Arkansas hasn't had them, I think Arkansas made itself vulnerable to the run and really just kind of a bad defense all, all, all around. And so what has been, to me, an Arkansas strength will, I think, be examined more closely during this offseason with Odom and what the future for him is as defensive coordinator and Bryles if he sticks around there in Fayetteville. So that may be some of what kind of surrounds Arkansas during uh, this bowl season. Then you've got South Carolina-Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. That sounds like a great game to me. South Carolina wants this. 
they want to continue playing well because Shane Beamer's trying to fight for something. And we're about to go away from divisions, but right now we still have them. And the division right now is Florida who beat them, Tennessee who they beat, but Tennessee ranks higher, obviously, to finish the season. Georgia who's not going anywhere. Mark Stoops who's obviously very competitive. You had that little sort of back and forth between you know those two uh, back during the summer that Beamer wants to try to keep going what they had going to finish the regular season. And that's probably also true for Notre Dame, too. They did lose to USC to, to end their year. But nonetheless, this is Marcus Freeman, also one of those coaches moving from year one to year two. I think South Carolina and Notre Dame is probably a pretty fun bowl matchup here. Let me give you one or two more of these here for right now. I'll do one for today, then we'll come back to the rest of them. Ole Miss versus Texas Tech in the Texas Bowl. <laughs> I'm not quite so sure what you're getting from this because uh, half the Ole Miss rosters transfers anyway. They've probably got another half coming in. This may be one of those where you just sort of toss a coin in the air and you sort of see how it goes, although we did see Texas Tech play well near the end of the season, kind of pulling the upset against Oklahoma, so maybe the Red Raiders bring something into this. Either way, we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And on Fridays here on Dog Nation Daily, we always wrap things up with a big finish. We've actually even had some big finish style tweets as a part of our uh, uh, golden shoes here this week. But we want to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, share us a photo of you. Best way to do it is maybe hitting me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, enjoying the finished long drink. And if you haven't tried it before, go to thelongdrink.com. You can put in your zip code. And you can find out whether it be a golf course near you or a bar near you, beverage store, restaurant, all these great places to try it. Cranberry and the red can, uh, long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. The traditional, which comes in a blue can, it's got the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. Either way, you're going to love the finished long drink. So try it. Uh, let us know how you liked it. Send us some photos of you, and we'll feature you on our big finish to close out the week, courtesy of our friends at the finished long drink. And speaking of a big finish, we're hoping for a big finish this college football season. That means bowls coming up here, and that means betting opportunities there as well. And that's where our friends at my bookie are going to step in here because there's no better place to get your action down on the upcoming bowl season than with our friends at my bookie. And if you haven't opened up your account before, this is a great time to do so because you're going to get an initial deposit bonus when you use the promo code Dog Nation. That's all one word, D-A-W-G, spelled the way it's supposed to be, Dog Nation. And when you put in, like, say, $400, they're going to double that for you. You're going to put in $400 yourself, so you have $800 at that point in time. And they're going to double that initial deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks. So it's winning season at my bookie. We're kind of rolling into the bowl season. We've got pro football playoffs coming up as well, regular season down the stretch too. All of that going on with our friends at my bookie. So find them online. Just type it into your browser, my bookie. The internet will do the work for you. And then after that, use the promo code Dog Nation to get the big deposit bonus. But you've got to use the promo code Dog Nation to take advantage of that. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid with our friends at my bookie. All right, wrapping things up here on a Wednesday and doing so in style with some great golden shoes. In fact, we'll give out a handful of these here, including our buddy Frankie Fibonacci, who goes back to our Saturday postgame show where he has the little thought bubbles. Jeff Sintel says, aren't you worried about Ohio State? And I say, I ain't never been afraid of nobody, which is something pretty similar to what I said on the show on Saturday at one point in time. And so Frankie shouts that out to some of our regular folks and says, uh, he says, after listening to Jeff and B.A., I am fired up and super hype and ready for the playoffs. And uh, he's also got the uh, the Hennessy down there as a part of his uh, sponsor. Frankie kind of inserting his own sponsor to that, which is actually pretty funny. So uh, good stuff there. Also, the popular meme of the guy posing in front of the, the tombstone, which you see all the time being used. In this case, it's Kirby with LSU, the one that's on the tombstone. Hashtag go for two and 22 from my buddy Dog Guy. 
Well done there. We love go for two and 22. That'll get you straight to the front of the line. Good stuff, dog guy. And then Mike the Mad Dog, always so talented. He says, when you're the victim of a vicious dog attack, and it's a face of uh, Brian Kelly, a grimace on his face, and scratched up and cut up because he met with Ugga. And it was not pretty for LSU on Saturday. That is great stuff for Mad Dog. Golden shoe to be given there, too. A fun year we're having right now. And then you start thinking about next year and our Gator Hatred Countdown going back to Jacksonville to handle those lousy, stinking Gators again. 327 days from right now. Boy, that's fun. Thanks for being with us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. We will see you again tomorrow.